so uh, thankful for today, thankful that it's snowing outside. We have a coffee shop at uh, these ski mountains, and so it's, uh, this is really good for us. When it snows, people come out and they drink coffee, so yeah. Um, if you missed last week, we talked about the church, and we began the study on 1 Corinthians, and we kind of discussed what it means to be the church, the church that Jesus sees um, and the church that I was hoping the church would be um, when I came to it in my young 20s. When I came to Christ, I really didn't have much of context of what the, a true church of God was. But I had hopes, right? I had hopes that it would be the kind of community that I saw. And it too passed the test. Um, the church is the greatest force of good in the world today. The church is the greatest force of good in the world today. There's no metric that you can use that would tell you any different. No matter what definition you use or how you look at it, slice it or dice it, and when you look at all the good that the church is involved in and doing, whether it be philanthropic, whether it be, you know, it, when disaster occurs, the church is there, whether it be giving or missions, it's always the church that's in the front, in the front lines. The church of Christ is the greatest force of good in the world today. So what does it mean to be the church? Um, we're entitling this message, Enrich. The first three verses of last week, we talked about um, what it meant to be called, right? We were called um, the church, right? And, and Paul called us saints, sanctified Christians would be basically considered saints, right? And so we didn't. It's a kind of a funny foreign word to us. And so this week, um, we're using this, we're going with this word enriched. And so uh, with that, let's read the, the scripture. It's, it comes to us from 1 Corinthians 4 uh, through 9. And it says this, I will always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in him in every way, in all speech and in all knowledge. In this way, the testimony of Christ was confirmed among you so that you do not lack any spiritual gift. Let's just stop for a second here. He is thankful for a church that's highly dysfunctional. If you missed last week, we talked about the church of Corinth, how it was a seaport church, right? And it was very wealthy, but it was also very corrupt. A lot like very wealthy churches, uh, cities in America, uh, Corinth had a lot of money and had a lot of debauchery. It was a very pagan area. And here, this church also was very rich in the blessings and the spiritual gifts of God, but they too had some issues. But Paul is thankful. He says, you are enriched in all your speech and in all your knowledge. In this way, the testimony of Christ was confirmed among you so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you'll be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So when I was young, in my, in my younger 20s, I saw something within the church that I was really hoping was true because I didn't really come from a, a strong, loving, you know, together family. And I was sort of living a lot alone. 
And I was hoping that the church was a loving community. I was hoping that they were sold out for Jesus. I was hoping that they would be welcoming and they'd be, they'd be compassionate. I was hoping that they'd be living out the word of God. I was hoping that they'd be evangelistic and approachable. I was hoping that they would be open to outsiders. And I was hoping that they would hold me up in prayer. And I found out that that's true, that that was true, that that is the church that God sees, that Christ wants, that, that I saw. And these men and women became aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and mothers to me. You know, there's a verse that Jesus says, um, you know, I think he's speaking to this rich guy. And so he says um, to to this rich young ruler, he says, uh, the, the question is, how do I enter the kingdom of heaven? And Christ just says to him, go and give everything that you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And he goes away kind of depressed, bummed out, he had a lot of stuff. And the disciples asked him, who then can be saved? And he says, you have, he said, behold, we have left all. We have left everything to follow you. And he says, no one that follows me will not receive a hundredfold in this lifetime and in the life to come, brothers and sisters and mothers and all. And you think, well, where are we getting all that? And it's the church, right? That we're brothers and sisters with one another. I have spiritual moms and dads, spiritual granddads, spiritual grandmoms, spiritual aunts, right? And you too are my brothers and sisters. And that's how Christ sees the body of Christ, right? That's how he sees the church. So when Paul says, I am always thankful for you, he's always thankful for a church that's a little messed up. He's choosing to see the good, right? He's choosing to say, hey, look, even though you've got issues, I am so thankful, and I thank God always for you. Now, if you remember the life of Paul, if you know anything about the story of Paul, he wasn't always a very thankful kind of guy, right? He was persecuting the church. He had to learn what it meant to be thankful from his discipleship with Barnabas. Barnabas' name was, really means encouragement, He encouraged Paul. Paul saw in Barnabas a thankful person, an encourager. And that in turn, you know, changed him. So Barnabas taught Paul that encouragement is a state of mind. And we grow healthy when we're encouraged. We don't really grow when we're judged, do we? We feel judged. We don't really grow in that kind of environment. We're called to be the, the people who love one another. Right? As Christ loves us. But too often we're considered the people that judge. Right? In my early years, growing up as a young Christian, I had people in my life that were, they would speak into my life. They would say things to me. They would, they would see things in me. And they would, they were, they were secure in themselves enough to speak life into me. And that was different. That may, that may be the environment that you're used to, but it wasn't the environment that I was. My, buddy, my friends were, would, were selfish people. I came from a selfish community. And when we grew up, we didn't speak life into one another. We cut each other down. We made fun of one another. And that was kind of how we got along, right? Sort of our love language is to make fun of one another. But after a while, you get used to that. And you don't really build people. We weren't building each other up. So coming into the church was revolutionary for me. And so... Early on in my Christian walk, my, my pastor would tell us, earn the right to speak into people's lives. 
earn the right to speak in people's lives. And I think you earn the right by being thankful, by being a thankful, grateful person. And I really want to dig into that word because it just is unlike Paul. This persecutor of the church, this zealous Pharisee, he wasn't exactly, that doesn't scream grateful, thankful person, right? But yet he's saying, I am so thankful. I thank God all the time for you guys. That's a changed person. That's a changed man. God got a hold of his heart and changed him. And then he shows us this great example. He loved the church in Corinth and was thankful for them. And, you know, sometimes you need an outside voice, right? Sometimes you need someone to tell you. You know, like I told you, when, when I was in my early young days as a Christian, some people would say, you know, you're a great speaker. I never thought of myself as a speaker. You know, or they'd say, just say, like, wonderful things, and it was just so life-giving. And maybe I was dry and broken and hurting and needing that kind of thing, and I received it so well. But honestly, like, when we are securing ourselves and we know who we are in Christ and we're thankful for who we are in Christ. We live with that attitude of gratitude. That gets on people. That has a way of building people up. And when you're thankful, it shows that you have strength, that you're strong enough within yourself to say, look, I am thankful for you. I thank God for you. You ever say that to somebody? I thank God for you. I thank God for you. It's choosing to look at the good, right? So, what are you thankful for today? I'm thankful that we can come up to a new community and have friends and have a church so quickly. I'm thankful for Pastor Tom and the leadership that he gives. I'm thankful for you as the Church of Christ. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my wonderful wife. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful that we had a birthday party yesterday that we had like 50, 60 people at our house, and I'm thankful that we got them all in. (laughs) You know, I was looking around yesterday, and I'm like, so thankful, like, that God would do this with us. It's such a blessing. The Church of Christ is such a blessing. I'm thankful for the school. I'm thankful that my daughter is growing and thriving, right? I'm thankful for friends. I'm thankful for our coffee business that's going really well. I'm thankful for my health. What are you thankful for today? Choose the good. You know, these days, there's a lot of studies out, and uh, there's a clinical study. There are a lot of clinical studies that are proving how gratitude has significant health benefits in our lives. And here's some. Physical health gains. A study from the University of California, Davis, found that people who are regu- that regularly practice gratitude experience fewer aches and pains and generally feel healthier than others. They sleep better, have less reliance on drugs and alcohol, and cause an overall feeling of physical good. Mental health gains. Gratitude has been shown to have a profound positive impact on mental health. Studies show that practicing thankfulness can lead to a lower levels of stress, depression, and anxiety. When we focus on what we have rather than what we lack, it shifts our perspective, making us more resilient against stress and emotional setbacks. This can also help people experience more happiness and overall contentment in their lives. And who doesn't want that? Stronger relationships. Gratitude just doesn't make you feel good. It also helps those around you. A study from the University of Georgia found that gratitude plays a significant role in the relationship satisfaction. 
Although the study focuses on marriage, it's easy to see how thankfulness can fortify all relationships, romantic and otherwise. When you express thankfulness, it fosters a sense of mutual respect and understanding, strengthening the bond between you and the people around you, from acquaintances to friends and family. Career satisfaction, a study from Wheaton School at the University of Pennsylvania found that the employees who show thankfulness to and for their coworkers experience better professional cohesion and performance. And being thankful has benefits as a Christian, right? So deepens our faith. Being thankful can deepen our faith by acknowledging the blessings and grace we receive from God. Thessalonians 5:18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you know it's God's will for you that you be a thankful person? God wants you to be a thankful person. Trust me. <laughs> Read Exodus, right? Those folks were supposed to have a few-day journey turn into 40 years. Why? Because they were grumbling. Oh, we liked it better in Egypt. Who said that? Shit. <laughs> what? You were a, a slave, if I remember. <laughs> right? Weren't we slaves? No, the, the bagels and lox were so good. They had reasons because they were in a desert. Right? And they couldn't see the future. And I think thankfulness has a lot to do with it. You can't see what's ahead of you. You just see, oh, I got this issue right here. You can't see the big picture. It's being very myopic, right? Anyway, let's get through. So moral and ethical living. Being thankful can serve as a grounding moral compass, grounding Christians towards more ethical choices. When you're grateful for what you have, the desire for materialistic gains diminishes, allowing you to focus on what truly matters, love, kindness, fellowship, and serving others. Closer relationship with God. Arguably one of the greatest perks of practicing gratitude is that it can bring you closer to God by regularly expressing thanks in prayer and meditations. You can cultivate a habit of recognizing God's work in your life. This acknowledgement can deepen your understanding of the divine grace and strengthen your relationship with God. And lastly, setting a positive example. Finally, when living a thankful life allows you to set a good example for others, people around you, Christians and non-Christians alike, will notice your mindful attitude and be inspired by it. Through your own thankfulness, others may be well motivated to try gratitude as an approach to life that makes them happier, healthier, and possibly even closer to God. So the opposite of thankfulness would be what? Complaining, right? The, The Bible would use the word grumbling complaining you know there is something to uh, you know Brittany and I travel quite a bit and we're from here we're used to New England and uh, there's like a complaining spirit up here I don't know if you've heard it or not maybe you haven't but there's this like ah can't do that there's this like can't do attitude it's pervasive it's kind of annoying actually right Ah, it's going to be, you know, I mean, you take your car to a mechanic, it's going to be a problem, you know. And it's just this sense of, like, complaining about your environment, it just gets it in the culture. But it shouldn't be that way with the, with the church. And you come out of that complaining culture into the church, you notice a difference. There's a difference. It's obvious. These people seem to be okay with everything. Why aren't you complaining like the rest of us? Are you more of a complainer? Or are you more grateful? When people think of you, do they say, that's a grateful person, that's a thankful person? I had a, one of the um, parents of 
of Everly's schoolmates was over yesterday. And he was just such a grateful guy. He was like, this is so great that you guys did this. This is so nice. And he heard our story and he's like, how wonderful is it? God's done such a work in your lives. He was just sort of like noticing. And I think, I think thankfulness is like that, right? Is it, you're noticing the, the handiwork of God. You're noticing what God's doing in and around you. And you're thankful for it. There's a lot of Psalms that say, give thanks to the Lord. You know, it says we enter his courts, his courts with praise. This is that old song. I will enter his songs with nothing in my heart. Right, yeah. Enter his courts with praise, right? I was laughing with Pastor Tom. I said, all those old songs sound like kids' songs. They all sound like kids' melodies. He's like, yeah, we like that. <laughs> yeah. This is the day that the Lord has made, right? Yeah, those are the old ones. that They, they, they stress thankfulness, thanksgiving. We enter into the, the house of God with thanksgiving in our hearts. Because he's do that. Give thanks to the Lord, for he's due thanksgiving. For the work that he's done in us. And it's easy to look around and see the blessing of God in your life. Like Pastor was saying that it's, it's way too easy to see the little mosquito, the, the fly in the ointment that can just spoil your day. Aren't we like that? The littlest, smallest, dumbest thing can just ruin your day. You focus on that thing instead of focusing on the bigger picture. Right? So the, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to change and transform our hearts and transform our minds and transform what's coming out of here, right? And the word that Paul uses for this transformation is enriched, enriched. And that's a word that's basically, this is the definition of it, to make rich or richer, especially by the addition or increase of something desirable, of some desirable quality, attribute, or ingredient. That's a good definition, Right? An addition or increase of some desirable quality, attribute, or ingredient. And what Paul is saying here is that you are enriched in all of your speaking and in all of your knowledge. So he says, you're enriched in all of your speaking and all of your knowledge. You can go to that next slide. Right? So how does our speaking change? How does our knowledge change? I was, um, I I had a sales job early on in my Christian walk, and I had this boss that always would apologize for swearing around me. (laughs) Ever have that happen to you? It's so weird. Like, oh, sorry, Jonathan, why are you apologizing to me? And so finally, I said to him in a meeting, it was a meeting, a lot of, you know, sales guys around, and he, you know, drops an F-bomb, and and he's, sorry, Jonathan. And so I said, don't apologize to me, apologize to the Lord. (laughs) Yeah. And everyone went, ooh. <laughs> Oops. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. So how are we enriched in our speaking? How are we enriched in our knowledge? I think it comes down to this. We have to train ourselves sometimes, right? God changes our heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So this change, I think this is first on the list. But the changed heart of a man changes what? You speak what you're dwelling on, what you're thinking comes out of your mouth, right? So we have to change that first. 
and allow God to enrich you. When our hearts change, our speech changes. And that was, that definitely was something the first to go was swearing. Just didn't need it anymore. They need those words anymore. It says, let, you know, don't let anything profane come out of your mouth, you know. I don't think you have to really be taught that. I think that kind of comes. You know, God changes you, and all of a sudden you start speaking different. And people will recognize that. And people see that. That you don't speak like the world. You don't talk like the world. You're different. People recognize this. There's something about that that is a witness. Philippians 4, 8 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. This is what he wants us to dwell on right here. All those things in your life that come into these categories, dwell on these things. It's funny that he uses the word dwell, like dwell on them, meditate on them, think about them. What are you thinking about? What are you thinking about that's giving you anxiety? What are you nervous about? What do you fear? Think on these things. Let these be the pervasive thoughts in your mind. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, commendable, lovely, moral excellence, and some versions say good report, praiseworthy, think on these things. Luke 6.45 says, A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Isn't that true? The mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart. So if you have thanksgiving in your heart, it's going to come out. If you have gratitude, it's going to come out. And likewise, if you have a lot of fear, if you have a lot of doubt, you have a lot of complaint, things you want to complain about, that's going to come out of your heart. That's going to come out of your mouth. Right? So he goes on to say that you do not lack any spiritual gift. Paul wants them to recognize what they had. And again, sometimes it's good for an outside person to let you know what you have. You don't lack anything. He wants them to focus on that overflow. The world has a mentality that always wants. It's always lacking. It's just buying this new car, buying this new thing. You're going to have to have this. You need this and you need that to be satisfied. And this, you need this to be satisfied. You don't lack any spiritual gift. We lack nothing in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Yeah. So anxiety is a big deal these days, right? Anxiety. I have anxiety. Can't do that because of my anxiety. You watch commercials. They have pills for that with a long list of side effects. May cause death. But you won't be anxious about it. So the Mayo Clinic says this, they have this clinical term for it, it's called generalized anxiety disorder. Okay, okay, it's generalized, just general anxiety. 
They had a label for everything, right? I mean, good night. Who doesn't have general anxiety? It's like, ever live life? General anxiety disorder. But they want to make a big deal out of it. But anyway, there is an evidence that biological factors, stressful life experiences, lack of personal security, and lack of positive role modeling of anxious behaviors can lead to generalized anxiety disorder. No kidding. Generalized anxiety disorder is treatable, but it takes persistence. I mean, it's, it's funny, it's, but this is a clinical thing. I mean, this is a real thing. Like, this is, people really deal with anxiety. And I'm not making little of it. There are people who really are crippled with anxiety. But look at this. A lack of personal security and a lack of positive role modeling. Now, is that not what Christ gives and what the church is? Christ gives personal security. Amen. Christ gives personal security and Christ gives us the church, which is this positive role modeling. That's discipleship, right? The answer to this isn't in a pill. It's in the church. It's not in a drug that we take. It's in a choice that we make. It's in Christ that we have all things. We lack nothing. And anxiety has to do with lack. I don't have. It's like, it also has to do with fear that you don't have. Fear has to do with lack. That you're not secure. But we know that we can be secure and have personal security and positive role modeling. <laughs> right? James 1, 2-4 says this. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Oh. You don't have to be anxious about it. Consider it great joy. That's how God wants our attitude to be. When faced with trials... Don't cower in fear. Don't be anxious about it. Consider it great joy. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. We lack nothing. God wants us to be strong. He wants to build us up. Just like if you go to the gym, you you break down the muscle and you build it back up again. Sometimes the Lord will allow things in your life that he wants you to utilize for your endurance, for your strengthening, to, to, to build your faith, to build your faith. He doesn't want you to look at your circumstances and cower in fear, right? He wants us to, to learn how to utilize our faith and trust God. Why did those people that wandered in the wilderness in the book of Exodus wander? Is because they really were saying, God, you're not enough. Lord, you're not enough. And I don't think he really takes kindly to that. So we have to be careful. We have to be mindful about what we think and what we say. That we're not poo-pooing on God's blessings. What he gives you and what he blesses you with, we ought to be thankful for. And maybe the trial that you're going through, you know, some of you right now are going through some really heavy trials. Some of you may be going through a divorce. Some of you may be really struggling with something with your family and your children or you're experiencing loss. And those aren't small things. And maybe they're real reasons to cause stress and anxiety in your life. But there's still a way that you can think about those things with a a grateful heart. There's still a way that you can have an attitude of gratitude even through it. You know, recently my father passed and... I'm thankful for the time that I had for him. 
And I could dwell on a lot of things that I missed or, you know, I can think of his loss as a loss from me, that now I lack a father, right, or something like that. You know, I I could be thinking of it as if I'm a victim. I could have a victim mentality over a lot of things in my life, right? But I choose to think of the good. We choose to think of, of he's in heaven now, right? And I, could, and I could choose to be thankful for the life that he's given me and all the things that he's done in my life, and I'm choosing to do that. I wasn't there with him when he passed away, and I really struggled with that. I wasn't there the day he, he, he left. I saw him a couple of days before, but I would, and I struggled with that guilt. And I have to choose to be thankful that I had the time right before. It's still, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a way of thinking of something. And Brittany will tell you, I said, it was, a, it was a struggle for me. And I had to really work at that. And, and thank God that he gave me the days that he did with him. Yeah. So we consider it great joy when we go through various trials. Because I know that God wants to strengthen me. And so maybe the trial you're going through is something that he wants to use to strengthen you. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be fearful. You can be, you can be grateful and thankful. So he says he will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. We sung about it this morning. God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, in a room this size, it's probably safe to assume that some of you don't know. You don't have real surety on your eternal salvation. And I think it comes from this strengthening that he's talking about. He will strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that today? Do you know that you, are, you can be blameless in the day of Christ? Do you have that security within you that you know, that you know that you're in him? If you don't, today you can be sure of that. God is faithful. He's called you and he's calling you out of the world and calling you to himself. And you can have that sense of blamelessness because of what he did on the cross for you. That he bled and died and rose again. He conquered death. He conquered sin for you. So that you could be blameless in him. Right? And he can strengthen you. You can know his strength and his work in you. So maybe you've been a bit of a grumbler these days. Maybe you've been filled with some sense of anxiety that you need to get rid of. You need to lay it down. Maybe today is the day you stop it. Thankfulness is a choice. It's a choice. It's choosing. It's a conscience. It's a conscious choice to dwell on, to focus on the good in your life. It's a conscious choice. I'm going to choose to be thankful. I'm not going to let that get to me. I'm going to be thankful for that person. I'm going to be... (laughs) That just cut me off. I'm going to be thankful. Right? There's plenty of... I mean, we live in America. There's plenty to look around and say, I'm thankful for this. Even though you're going through a dark 
maybe going through a dark time, you still have something in your life you can be thankful for. God is faithful.